What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day. I'm your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily Boston Bruins podcast where we discuss all things spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. For those of you tuning in for the first time, this is, I believe, episode 200 of the podcast. I joined the Locked On Network while also freelance writing for SB Nation. I have written for Cup of Chowder, Second City Hockey, Fear the Fin. I also worked for five years as a hockey news editor for The Score, which is one of the top sports apps in North America. I am proud to be the host of this podcast and love talking about our Boston Bruins. I do so five days a week, Monday to Friday. And if you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app, then each new episode will be automatically uploaded to your feed for you to download, listen, and enjoy. If you could also rate and review, that would be very much appreciated. It is Monday, August 17th. I am back from holiday and ready to enjoy game four of the Bruins series against the Carolina Hurricanes, which we will preview today on the podcast. Beginning with an update on David Pasternak, who has missed the past two games with an undisclosed injury. He did skate on Sunday morning during an optional practice in Toronto. While I was encouraged by the fact that he was on the ice and apparent progress in his return, head coach Bruce Cassidy said it is 50-50 at best that he'll be back in the lineup for Monday night's game against the Hurricanes. Cassidy said, Pasta skated, briefly did some work after in the gym, so that's encouraging. He's got his skates on out there, but how does that bode for today's game? Not sure yet, he said, probably a little premature. Let's see how he does in the morning. That would be this morning, Monday. And he put him at, like I said, 50-50 at best. But that, of course, could change prior to puck drop at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Pasternak, he did score a goal and record an assist in Game 1. And he has been replaced by Carson Kuhlman on the top line, by Anders Bjork in Game 3, who really seemed to struggle to keep up, taking three minor penalties in that game. Uh, Pasternak skated on Sunday with Bjork. Connor Clifton, Trent Frederick, Jeremy Lozon, Par Lindholm, Nick Ritchie, Zach Sinitian, Jack Stanika, Yerho Vakaninen, Jacobs Borrell, as well as the two goalies coming in following Yaroslav Halak, who we know will get the start and will basically start every game from here on out, barring disaster and having to call on Dad and Vlader or Max Legacy. Now, one thing that has improved over the last couple games, despite Pasternak's absence, is the power play. Uh, they went 0-13 for 13 to start the round robin and the playoffs, but then they have gone 3 for their last 8 on the man advantage of cross games 2-3. and three. With David Krejci scoring, he subbed in for David Pasternak on the first unit, and Brad Marchand and Charlie Coyle also uh, tallying for the Bruins. Tori Krug was asked about that improvement on Sunday during a Zoom call that he and Sean Corrali took part in. And um, he said two things came to mind as to why it has been improved. First, the addition of Krejci 
His patience and his skill set allows him to make some plays under pressure. Krug said Carolina has high energy, high pressure kill, and Krejci allows things to settle down. He demands respect and time on the ice from the opponent. The second thing Krug said would just be getting back to hard work. They're now winning loose puck battles, getting those second, third chances, and that's something that he thought was missing from the first three games and the first game against Carolina as well. So just getting back to outworking the opponent, doesn't matter if they're 5-on-5 or 5-on-4, that, according to Krug, needs to be a staple for the team, and it has been working for them uh, over the last couple of games at least. Now, going back to Yaroslav Halak, he made... 29 saves on 30 shots in the 3-1 win back in Game 3. And here in moving forward, Game 4 has been announced. will begin at 4 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday. Game 6 is scheduled for Thursday at a yet-to-be-determined time. And Bruce Cassidy was asked if he'll go to Halak in that back-to-back scenario or if one of Vladder or Legacy could see some playing time. Cassidy said Halak's our guy. He's proven that right now, and the other guys have not. Not saying they couldn't handle it. We may have to look at it for game five and six, but I don't want to get that far ahead, Cassidy said. We'll go through Monday night's game, see where Halak is at. He has played back-to-backs in the past. A couple years ago, they needed him to do that, and he's a guy that they've seen can do it and have success. And he also said they're going to have to sort of wing it when it comes to Vladder and Legacy. They haven't played at all in this return-to-play format. They've only seen practice shots. So all that has to be considered. And then ultimately, it'll probably come down to Halak's call to see how he's feeling after Game 4 here on Monday and Game 5 on Wednesday. And, you know, Game 6 ideally won't be necessary if the Bruins can win these two games and finish it off. Uh, But if a game six is necessary, then it will ultimately come down to whether Halak is comfortable going back in net. Now, one thing that was brought up is that um, Cassidy was asked if there is a possibility that Rask could return to the team at some point during the postseason. And apparently the NHL would allow that, but it will obviously be Rask's decision whether he wants to come back whether it's best for him and his family down the line. From my understanding, families will be allowed to join teams for the conference finals and for the Stanley Cup final in Edmonton because there will only be four teams present. That would mean hotel rooms will be opened up, of course. Cassidy said Tuca would be best able to answer that. He said he exchanged texts with Tuca, left him a message. He's doing well. His family is doing well. And that's very encouraging for everyone in the organization. The Bruins support Tuca. They wish him well. And they want nothing but the best for him and his family. Should circumstances change, however, where he feels that he wants to come back, then they'll cross that bridge when they come to it and see what it involves. The NHL is okay with it. And, you know, That's the first part of clearing that hurdle. He wasn't involved in the conversation when Rask spoke to Sweeney, and that's probably a question for the general manager to answer as well if they even were to bridge that uh, if and when it were to arise. So that's just an interesting little note. Looking forward, 
if the Bruins are able to get past the Hurricanes and whoever their round two opponent is, and uh, if they move on to Edmonton, where families would be able to join, that's maybe a, a possibility for um, Tuka Rask getting back on the ice with the Bruins. Now, I was able to jump in on the Zoom call, and I asked uh, Sean Corrali a question near the end about uh, him moving up and down the lineup between the third and fourth lines. And here is that question followed by the response. Yeah, this is a question uh, for Sean. Um, you played on the left wing of the third line in game three, typically, you know, fourth line center. Does your mindset change uh, going into a game where you know you'll be playing on the, the left wing with, with Charlie? Or do you kind of approach it in the same way that you would if you're kind of anchoring the fourth line? I think I try and, I try and keep my mindset the same. I think I'd be doing, you know, if I switch my game too much, I think I'd be doing myself, my line, and the team just a disservice. But I just try and stick to my game as much as possible. I think the more I do that, the better it ends up for everyone. Um, but, but there are some things, like you said, I found myself last night in a, in a few spots that I hadn't, hadn't been in or felt co- too, too comfortable with. Um, but you know, it takes, it takes a couple shifts and you're right back to it. I played left wing for the first few exhibition games and you know, I, I am comfortable going back and forth. Sometimes it just, uh, just takes, you know, a rep or two. And especially if there's not a skate in between or, or whatever, but um, I think that's that's part of the job. Everyone's expected to do their job, and when you come in in the morning and you see your job is a little bit different, um, you know, the, these times of year you're not always going to have that you know that shift or two to get ready. So I think I'm focused on just starting from getting ready from the start and um, just doing the best I can with it. Now, from a Carolina point of view, it certainly looks like they're going to be without star winger Andre Svechnikov for possibly the remainder of the playoffs and certainly the remainder of this series against our Bruins. He was injured while tangling with Zdeno Chara in front of the Bruins net in the third period of game three. And Rod Brindamore said on Sunday that he highly doubts Svechnikov will return to the lineup uh, in the, in the playoffs period. He said he was getting an MRI and they were checking him out, but he would highly doubt that he'll be able to play Brindamore said, every team has injuries. That's why you have depth and other guys have to step up. You're not going to replace Svechnikov for sure, the talent, but there's no other alternative. It's a team game. We know we need everybody to win, and if we're going to need change, they're all going to have to produce whoever is in the the lineup. Now, Svechnikov, he had recorded four goals and three assists in six games in the bubble, including the series against the New York Rangers. One goal and one assist in Game 2 against the Bruins. In the regular season, he uh, had that, of course, very memorable lacrosse-style goal. He ranked third on the Hurricanes with 61 points, 24 goals, 37 assists in 68 games behind line mates Sebastian Ajo and Teuvo Teravainen, who will press on without their other winger in tow when it comes to goaltending we've seen both Peter Mrazek and James Reimer between the pipes and it's possible that um, he will continue to rotate the two goalies 
saying it's a huge possibility that Reimer could play game four. Said all along that we're going to use them both in this series. We'll make that decision, and uh, there's a good chance that's how it's going to roll out. James Reimer appeared in game two, the lone Hurricanes win in this series. Mrazek did make 36 saves on 38 shots in Game 3, the Bruins' third goal coming on an empty netter. Uh, But it looks like they could indeed continue the rotation, and we'll see James Reimer back in the net for the Hurricanes here in Game 3 on Monday night. Now, speaking of goaltending, the big story around the Bruins remains Tukarask's decision to opt out, and the fallout over the weekend continued uh, with various Comments coming out from the team, as well as columns from Boston. Specifically, one from Kevin Ball DuPont of the Boston Globe, where he said the Bruins are sympathetic, but they know it's time to move to Karask. In the column that was published on Sunday, Kevin Paul DuPont cited a leave of absence that Rask took early last season where he removed himself from the team for a few days due to personal reasons as an argument on which to say Rask has become unreliable and the Bruins have no choice but to turn the page and uh, move on from Tuka Rask. He writes, what we do know with absolute certainty is that Rask now twice has proven he is unable to balance being both family man and franchise goalie. That's trouble. There's no way to run a hockey team. Never mind, try to survive four grueling rounds of postseason play and capture what would be the franchise's seventh Stanley Cup in its near century of existence. All of which points to Rask not being here whenever, if ever, the 2020-21 season starts. It's time for both sides to shake hands, recall the many good memories, and move on to situations that are better more predictable fits for both. For two sides bonded over a ring of vulcanized rubber, this is not a marriage that works. Rask is a very good guy. He is an excellent goalie among the top five in the NHL. Teammates like him a ton. He was a hoot and a half when all the members of the 2011 Cup winning team met for a Zoom reunion late in the spring. They gifted him a fancy set of drums this season when he played his 500th NHL regular season game. They rightly appreciate he's the winningest goalie in franchise history. Blah, blah, blah. Maybe things are a mess at home, DuPont writes, or perhaps all the Rasks simply realized they no longer could bear the thought of possibly being apart until the first week of October. For anyone who has had to deal with family strife, the kind that keeps you staring at the ceiling at night or worrying incessantly... While at work, this can be a terrible, exhausting experience. Who wouldn't sympathize? But, he goes on to write, It's possible that things quiet down at home for Rask, and he asks back in a week or two, but that's not a bet to make. He has one year left on his contract, and the Bruins have the right to trade him to one of the 15 teams he was obligated to name months ago as the February trade deadline approached. Sweeney will be working the phones. New NHL or not, some things never go out of date. One of those is the need for the GM and coach to know who can be counted on during good times, bad times, and especially playoff time. From here, it looks like Rask's time is finished. Now remember, in the headline he said, Bruins are sympathetic and know it's time to move to Rask. He ends it by saying, it looks like Rask's time is finished. 
Now, if anything, I would say Rask could potentially retire at the end of the season and not return to the Bruins. Uh, but again, this is all very much speculation. We don't know the exact details that prompted him to leave. We assume that Don Sweeney does. And, you know, all indications are that the Bruins support Rask. He's a valued member of the team in the locker room and that he would be welcomed back with open arms whenever he does choose to return, whether it's in the playoffs or for next season, if and when that ever happens. That was corroborated by Chris Wagner, who was on a Zoom call with Joe Haggerty of NBC Sports Boston. People don't know what we go through. They pretend to. Um, and But we don't know what they go through either, so that's that's how they form opinions and uh, on us and you know they but they also are in our shoes so I try to respect when people form their opinion on on what they say about all of us and but at the same time you know you know, Tukes has three young kids at home and and he felt he needed to be there and and we support that and it it makes me upset sometimes when how badly he gets trashed for that but you know I People aren't in the bubble with us, and they're not away from their families for for months at a time. So, um, yeah, it's just it's a unique situation that that we're all going through, and people are dealing it dealing with it different ways. Um, you just hope that he can get home and be be with his family and, and take care of whatever he has to take care of. Um, we're gonna try to win the Stanley Cup too, and that and that's. That's what our our plan is here. So um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's just it's a lot to take in and, and a lot to digest. And I try to stay away from from reading the comments like that. That's been the theme from the Bruins this whole time over the last few days, and I don't really believe there's any reason to doubt that. Um, we'll see what happens in the off season. We'll see what happens when. You know, there's a decision to be made for the Bruins to join the Edmonton bubble and families can can come with them. It would be a lot easier, obviously, to have his family in a hotel with him in Edmonton as opposed to being seven time zones away. Uh, But again, I support Rask's decision. I respect that he wanted to be with his family. I respect his privacy. We don't need to know all the details, whether it's just wanting to be home to be a dad or whether there was a family emergency. Uh, But again, I I don't really think it's time to move on from Rask by any measure. The Bruins have Rask and Halak signed for one more season. Uh, Go through these playoffs with, with Halak, maybe with Rask back, and enter next season with both knowing that you can rely on either to play um, at a high level for for the team. In other Bruins news, to wrap up here, General Manager Don Sweeney announced Sunday that the team has signed forward Matt Philippe to a two-year entry-level contract. The 22-year-old spent the last four seasons at Northeastern University, establishing career highs as a senior this past season with nine goals and 13 assists for 22 points. He's a six foot two, two hundred pound center who appeared in 136 career NCAA games with the Huskies, 31 goals, 44 assists for 75 points, with 109 penalty minutes and a plus 25 rating. If you're still into that kind of stat, he 
is a Linfield, Massachusetts native, where he attended Malden Catholic High School, where he was team captain as well. He was originally selected by the Hurricanes in the third round of the 2016 NHL entry draft. So nice to see the Bruins secure another victory over the Hurricanes here in the playoffs. Also, today is Don Sweeney's birthday. So happy birthday to the general manager. He is 54 years young. We all remember, well, maybe you don't, but he was a player, of course, for the Bruins back in the day, uh, appearing in 1,115 career NHL games as a member of the Bruins, 63 games with the Stars to finish his season in 2003-04. So he, uh, yeah, didn't quite make it into the post-lockout era. Drafted 166th overall by the Bruins in 1984. Happy birthday to the general manager. And hopefully our Bruins can pull off the uh, victory over the Hurricanes on the GM's birthday. One other thing I just noticed here on Twitter. It's confirmed that Peter Solarik will be playing for Lexans of the what league is that even in the Swedish Hockey League next season so officially leaving Providence for Sweden Slark is a restricted free agent and I would have to um, yeah sign a deal with the Bruins or be traded in order to uh, return to the NHL now as we finish off Today's podcast, the Bruins are taking to the ice for the morning skate. The first line has Marchand, Bergeron, and Bjork with DeBrusque, Krejci, Kasha staying intact, Corrali, Coyle, Stanika staying intact, Nordstrom, Lindholm, Wagner as the fourth line. Richie and Pasternak are skating as extra skaters. So I believe it looks like it's possible that Pasternak could return to the lineup tonight. He may be listed as a game-time decision. He's not skating on his usual line, uh, which is not a great indicator that he'll be in the lineup, but perhaps uh, they're seeing how he feels, and he'll be a game-time decision. Uh, It does look like Connor Clifton will be back in. He's skating with Grizzlick on the third pairing with Chara McAvoy and Krug and Carlo in their usual slot. So it doesn't look like there will be any changes from the lineup in Game 3, although... With Pasternak skating, perhaps, like I said, he could be a game-time decision, but it's not looking great. I'm a bit surprised that Bjork is getting another look on the top line. Uh, I would have thought maybe they would have bumped up Stanika, perhaps, or scratched Bjork in lieu of Carson Kuhlman, but looks like he's getting another chance after, um, yeah, taking... uh, a few penalties while in that prime slot in Game 3. Bruce Cassidy is scheduled to address the media at noon here on Monday, so look out for some updates on the Locked On Boston Bruins Twitter account at LO underscore Boston Bruins or on mine at LO... No, what am I talking about? At Ian C. McLaren. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you'd like to now go over to the Locked On NHL podcast, you'll hear me talking there a bit more today about Tuka Rask. Again, thanks so much for tuning in today and for the ongoing support. I very much appreciate it. I could very well jump on Hot Mike tonight 
to live stream watching the game. So if you want to have kind of another screen experience, do check me out on there with some running commentary and chatting with anybody who jumps in. This is the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day. Hope you all have a great Monday. Go Bruins tonight, and we will be back tomorrow with a recap of Game 4. Take care, friends.